Hi, and welcome to the Hungry for Authenticity podcast, an unpolished show where I, your host, Megan Johnson, think deeply out loud. Ultimately, I aim to seek biblical truths on tough topics with you. Today, we're continuing our, our discussion on the book, you, Can, you Can't Screw This Up by Adam Bornstein. Part one was last week. And today we're talking, I'm going to share my thoughts, more of my thoughts that I didn't hit on because the episode was getting too long. And so we're going to continue that discussion. Like I said in the other one, I am still processing this out loud. And that's also why I, this, it's not perfectly organized. Um, so by way of reminder, what we're doing in this series is... We're asking and answering the question, when does eating healthy and exercise cross the line into idolatry? And my answer is, I don't know. Specifically, I don't know that answer for you. I don't know your personal struggles. I don't know your history, but I'm sharing what I've been learning through my own journey as a busy mom who just had a second baby six months ago, who's trying to get leaner and stronger, who's always been interested in nutrition and fitness, who's had an eating disorder and wants to understand this from a biblical perspective. I will admit that I'm not hitting biblical truths on every one of these episodes. Our last one was hitting the main points from Adam Bornstein's book. So if you want to hear those, I'd suggest going back to like the part one today are going to be typically what happens in my mind is as I I love learning and it just it triggers thoughts and so I have been writing this stuff down and we're going to just start hitting them and see how this all plays out here we go the first one is in his book I don't know if he actually I think he did phrase it this way he's he phrased this question what if this was easy and he used the example that he used to work for someone and the, his boss would always ask him if he came to him, like, here's our problem. Here's what, you know, we need to accomplish. And his boss would always turn it around to him and say, what if this was easy? And it forced him to think, okay, if this was, if the solution to this was easy, what would that look like? And so he took that concept and placed it on top of this idea of, a healthy lifestyle. And we as a culture are trained to think that nutrition and fitness has to involve suffering all the time. And because we think operating in extremes is the way to do it because that's what we see on social media or that's been our personal experience. But his thing is, what would this look like if having a healthy lifestyle was easy. And so his thing is making, make it so easy. It's hard to fail. And, uh, I didn't, yeah, I think I'm trying to think if there's anything else in that actually, well, it's a good, well, let's place that as I kind of mentioned eating disorders, like as someone who's recovered and gone through the, the, well, what felt like suffering, uh, recovery process. Like, I'm curious if I was going through it because I didn't think about this concept at the time. And I think I personally do choose suffering over not suffering because I feel like if I do, if I make it harder for myself, then somehow it's more worth it. 
when sometimes that's just not the case. And so I'm curious as I'm thinking out loud, if I were to say like toward eating disorder recovery, what would that look like if I said, what if this, what if eating disorder recovery was easy? What would that look like? And I'm thinking what that would look like. <laughs> uh, I guess it would look like not or being able to eat the foods that you enjoy without the feelings of stress and guilt and anxiousness regard around them. I think it would also involve learning how to advocate for yourself. If you are, I don't know, if you're in an environment where, I don't know, maybe you're feeling like you have to eat something to make someone happy <laughs> or to make someone feel better about themselves, but learning how to stand up for yourself, if that's not, or being bold enough to say, I, I prefer not to eat it. Uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe something to think about. We have other things to talk about too. Okay, well, here's a, a, okay, now I'm saying this out loud. The theme that I keep coming back to is, I don't know if this is a term people have coined, but balanced freedom. And when I think about eating disorders or restrictive eating, I th I think sometimes we think about the what does the complete opposite of that look like? Well, if restriction is an extreme, then the opposite will be an extreme as well. And the opposite, when I think of freedom and when I think of my own eating disorder recovery process, like I went from complete restriction to eating, trying all the foods I had restricted in the past. And I think that actually, I mean, it was very helpful for a time because it taught me, it, it diminished this like emotional power that foods had. And I kind of mentioned recently my example with cutting out sugar and all I did was obsess about it. And when I finally let myself have the peppermint patty, you know, every day, I don't obsess over it. But I, because I'm doing, I'm eating something I enjoy, I'm not doing an excess, but I'm not restricting. And so when I, I think there is a time for, especially it depends how long you were in a restrictive mindset to try, you know, eat all the foods that you were scared of. But at some point, because I'm 10 years out of recovery, so that's a decade where I've tried, I would say everything I've been scared of, I've eaten and I've learned not to be scared of it. But I've also learned I don't also enjoy certain foods. I don't enjoy how they make me feel sometimes. Like I personally don't, I mean, I do enjoy sourdough pizza. There's a food truck um, in town that does sourdough pizza, which is really good, but Pizza just doesn't do it for me. I don't like how I feel afterwards. Um, maybe it's like the dairy, <laughs> the combo, but I uh, don't quite enjoy it. But I do love ham. I really enjoy a good hamburger. I don't love pasta. Uh, like it doesn't, you know, get me super excited, but I used to restrict it and therefore I started eating it. And then I started realizing, okay, well, it's lost its power. Do I even like it? I'm like, I, I honestly don't like it. But do I do like, I love sticky rice. Sticky rice is wonderful. And so I guess where I'm going with this is in balanced freedom, I think is the key. I think that's the answer to 
all a lot of things. And I think that's kind of the question I'm getting at. When does, well, I guess my question was, when does it cross the line into idolatry? And I'll talk about that in a second, but I think the trick is balance. And I feel like an old lady saying this because I can hear so many people in my life talking about balance. And even in his book, he's, he talks about when we operate in extremes is when we start getting really anxious, really irritable, stressed, and frustrated regarding our nutrition and diet. But when we operate in our comfort zone to extended comfort zone, there's less tension. And okay, two thoughts. One is I do want to like kind of set a slight foundation with eating disorders I would say a lot of them boil down to restriction. And so let's break them down. So anorexia, I think is very clearly restriction. But bulimia and binge eating, I think are a little bit trickier because binge eating typically, or sorry, bulimia is someone that, and that's what I struggled with was mostly bulimia, was their, like my brain restricted foods in my head. But when I eventually lost the willpower or gave in to the impulse, I would binge on it. And I would binge on it because I wasn't allowing myself to have it. And then I would punish myself by, through a purging mechanism, which was typically throwing up, but it also could be over-exercise. And then binge eating disorder is essentially the binging part of bulimia without the purging aspect. And so, in all those three major eating disorders is restriction and it's it's operating in an extreme where you if you're restricting certain things the behavior looks a little different but it all boils down to the extreme of restriction and so that's one foundation i want to lay and like I said in the last podcast, it keeps coming back to this idea of restriction. When we restrict is when things are going downhill. And I have learned in my personal life that balance, where did I write it down? Uh, Okay. For me, I have learned when I, I need many multiple goals over different types of mediums to keep me balanced. And I'll explain that more. So I have many goals. I have, I am trying to get stronger. So I have goals when I'm working out. I have uh, goals regarding my Hungry for Authenticity book, my third book I'm writing. I have goals regarding my podcast. I have goals, uh, reading and listening goals. I have Bible study goals. I have mom goals in terms of, I don't, yeah, that. Uh, I have house tidiness organization goals. Uh, I have many hats. And I, at times I get frustrated when I have so many hats, but I've learned that it's helped me keep my things in its proper place. It's helped me put priorities where they belong without operating in excess or extremes. So for example, with working out, I have goals regarding, I would like to lift heavier. I would like to be able to do pull-ups without an assisted band. I would like to be better at toe push-ups. I'd like to squat heavier weight. 
and those take time, again, chipping away at those small goals. But I have found that when I say, okay, I'm going to put everything else to the wayside and my only goal is to focus on getting stronger, I become obsessed with it. It's I've learned this as part of my personality, but when I put it in its proper place, for example, I've learned if I want a quality workout in, I have to do it when kids are sleeping and kids are sleeping at 5.30 a.m. So, well, yeah, like 5, 5.30. They wake up at like 7. So Ben and I wake up early. We work out. It's a chance for us to work on our workout goals. It's a chance for us to hang out. And then we, then I, once I've done with the garage, like I'm done for the day and that's the workout goes in its proper place. And I spend the rest of the day, like I try to stay pretty active. I, you know, just being a mom keeps you active. But uh, just yesterday I shoveled snow in the afternoon and I didn't realize how exhausting (laughs) and how much, uh, like I was huffing and puffing after shoveling snow. My point is, when I made it my sole focus is when I started getting obsessed and I started getting going into extremes. And that's for me, that's a huge red flag where I have to go put it back in its proper place. Uh, and so even with things like even like Bible study, I can get obsessed with, I can be obsessed about everything. <laughs> and, and that's for me, I set timers on myself for everything. I, and I, it honestly really helps for me having children And like I've said earlier, with moms on call, the kind of schedule we follow with our kids, it forces me to be like, for example, right now, our baby's sleeping and the toddler gets her iPad time. And this is my time to record her podcast. I do not have much time later today to do it. This is it. And that way I'm not obsessed about this podcast. I get the thoughts out. I've talked about it. And then I move on with my day and tomorrow I'll probably try to do all the like back end, you know, putting the music in the beginning and uploading, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that has helped me find this concept of balance freedom. And where else? Okay. I want to talk about orthorexia. I am jumping all over. I want to get, let's talk orthorexia and famine brain. Yeah, I think those would be two big ones. So I recently, not recently, but I didn't know there was a term called orthorexia. And orthorexia essentially is an obsession with healthy eating. And I found an interesting article on like psychology today. It wasn't, you know, any crazy website but where was it um I would say that when I was younger like in eighth grade I was known for being a health nut and I would say looking back I probably had orthorexia as I was reading and learning like from tabloids or like small little articles here and there what was considered good foods and bad foods. And so I started creating these rules in my head about what I was allowed to eat and not allowed to eat. And it essentially masked an eating disorder in the terms of health. Because it was 
I call it a good girl disorder. A good like eating disorders are good girl disorders because it's not like overtly bad, like you know, getting into alcohol or drugs or whatever. But it's like, oh, she's eating healthy. But I know that I would like. I remember walking in junior high, walking to my different classes, and I didn't like because my friends would try to like join me and walk to the next class together, and I was counting calories in my head adding up where I was at in the day and I didn't like walking with other people because it prevented me from doing the mental math like I was obsessed with and then I would feel incredible feeling like shame and guilt if I ate something that was on the unhealthy list and so I'm kind of like this concept of when and that's why I keep coming back to this question when does it cross the line into being unhealthy because like when does healthy cross the line into being unhealthy because that's I think my more of my personal struggle and maybe other people don't struggle with that as much maybe they're more yeah maybe they don't have that pull as much uh and I I think that's something that when I start becoming so obsessed and that's all I can talk about or all I can think about what I've eaten and kind of the emotional feelings behind the food is probably a red flag and I haven't noticed that until recently uh, when I started like just trying to lose a little weight nothing crazy just like there's a little extra post baby and I was like, I think I'm going to have to put in a little effort um, here. And my immediate, instead of doing the normal, healthy, let's chip away, let's stay in our comfort zone, go to our extended comfort zone, I could tell I went to an extreme right away. And guess who called me out on it? Ben did really fast. I mean, it probably was 24 hours and he was calling me out on it. And it was interesting because that's all tied into this when I was, um, when I, it was like, right, I completely like took sugar out and that's when it happened. And I could tell I was obsessed and I was, he brought home like some junk food and I just like got so mad at him and he, and I could feel, I don't know how to describe it. It was interesting is like I said, I've been out of recovery for like 10 years. So it like, it was a deja, sorry, deja vu is the word I'm thinking of. It was a deja vu moment where like, oh my gosh, I remember there, that, that was the old Megan coming out, being controlling regarding food. I was not nice (laughs) to him. Uh, and I, I just like my claws came out because I was being so, I was restricting and I was being obsessed and then I took it out on him. And let's just say (laughs) he called me out on it and that like, and he's like, Hey, I, you are like, I remember this Megan and this is eating disorder, Megan. So huge red flag. I'm keeping an eye on you. You need to back off of this because you are clearly pushing the line. And I think that's something I've learned about myself is this balanced freedom concept of also boundaries for myself, learning my left and right lanes of when, like I'm thinking from my left side, when do I become so restrictive that I'm being a controlling, anxious, stressed monster who lashes out at my husband? And when, and on the right side, when is it 
laziness and excess and engorgement and screw it mindset. And I usually lean toward, I don't as much lean toward the excess side, although I have in the past. Um, And I think because black and white thinking, you kind of jump from side to side. And I've I've learned how to stay in this <laughs> lane. Um, but just recently, the example I just shared, like I definitely was pushing up against my left boundary and I probably crossed that line. And so thanks to Ben and his accountability, he has helped me pop over <laughs> back into my lane and uh, developed a going back to my balance freedom of, okay. And that's when I started incorporating sugar back into my life and have not felt the need to binge on it or to control as much the food that Ben's bringing into the house, um, but also not just going the other direction. So that was, yeah. If I will link that article, orthorexia, in the show notes. Um, let's see. Yeah, essentially orthorexia is a type of eating disorder harder to notice because it's disguised as health. Not necessarily like I think yeah, not it's it's disguised as health in the name of obsessive weight loss in body image. Uh yeah. So I'd say that's what it is. And then I learned about this term called famine brain. And it keeps coming back to this idea of restriction, like kind of what you would think of. <laughs> like if you think of the word famine brain, what are you thinking of? You are in a famine, you are restricted, and your brain is going to start lashing out uh, because it's in restrictive mode. And I would say like that's very common, especially when I was going into when I was at my lowest point in my eating disorder and um, needed heavily needed recovery was famine brain because you just are not thinking clearly. Your body is not receiving the nutrition to even function properly and to regulate your emotions. And uh, I hear a toddler. Hold on. I'm back. I'm trying to think where we left off a famine brain uh yeah it just it seems like it comes down and yeah so I had to get out of famine brain to even think properly uh and to start understanding how to operate in my lanes and how to have a healthy lifestyle that didn't pendulum swing to complete engorgement because like part of my language, like screw these rules that I've had for years. But yeah, so I'm, I, I don't know. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm processing, processing this out loud and trying to understand for me, because I can't say this is what everyone should look like, but understanding when am I operating in my balanced freedom in my lane, having a health, a lifestyle that's characterized by healthy eating and exercise and but is not characterized by obsession and yeah that's kind of I like his concept of 
the, the three circles of where's your comfort zone, extending your comfort zone in extremes. And when, op- when operating in extremes, for me, that's obsession, that's restriction, that's engorgement. Like then pulling back from those behaviors and reestablishing and re- getting my mind back to where it should be. So I'll end it there. That was fun. I think we're going to we're going to kind of close the book on that book. <laughs> you can't screw this up by Adam Bornstein and we'll move on to the next one, Built to Move, uh, by Dr. Kelly and Juliet Starrett. So I'll catch you next time. Bye.